Welcome to Health Talks Now, bringing you the facts you need to keep you and your family well. We're happy you're tuning in today. Baptist Health is committed to providing compassionate, high-quality care that is centered on you. Listen to all of our podcasts to hear from Baptist Health physicians about the latest medical advancements and treatments. And get trusted information on timely health topics from our healthcare professionals. Whether you want to learn more about a specific condition or procedure or find tips for living a healthy lifestyle, Baptist Health is here to help you become a healthier you. Today, we are going to be talking to a primary care physician, Dr. Russell Bird. And we're going to continue our conversation about the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, most recently the updates with the COVID-19 vaccines. And we're going to talk to him from a primary care perspective, somebody who's been dealing with this with, you know, not the critically ill patients and the inpatients, like we talked to Dr. Benjamin Clossing a couple episodes ago about the work he's doing with infectious diseases, but really battling it more on the every person front where most people would start with their primary care provider. I'm excited. I know he is highly regarded, respected. Yeah. He was a Louisville top doc. He sees patients out of East Point. Right. And he's certainly one of our more popular primary care physicians. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be a good conversation. So if you have any questions about COVID-19, the vaccines, and uh, any of those kind of lingering misconceptions or general inquiries, uh, hopefully we're going to address those here. So make sure before you get too deep into this episode, go ahead and hit pause, share this with a friend, send a link over so that you guys can uh, kind of break down some of these myths together. Perfect. You ready? Let's get started. All right. Dr. Bird, we're excited to have you on the phone to talk with us today. Thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you for inviting me. Uh, looking forward to this discussion for both ourselves, of course, but then your your listeners and yeah. the doctors and the patients and anybody else who might be tuning in. So. Absolutely. Your perspective is obviously unique. As a primary care physician, you can help us and our listeners understand more about concerns from not only symptoms, but the vaccines as we continue to make sense of this pandemic. In terms of family medicine and your care within the Louisville region, we know that you've been busy, inundated, if that's a more accurate word, seeing both patients in person and virtual care throughout the pandemic. Tell us your perspective and general, the general experience with symptom-related concerns. When are patients reaching out? So when are patients reaching out with COVID symptoms? Yeah. That's a good question. I think we need to take a little step back, and the question is, how are they reaching out? Sure. Because if we look at how this pandemic has transformed medicine and in particular primary care, it's really not an understatement to say that it's been in some ways profound. You know, if we look back, you know, a year ago, if a patient had a concern about their health, there'd be, you know, call the doctor, you know, wait for the phone call back, or there'd be, you know, go to the urgent care. But now we've got a third option and it has, you know, this pandemic has brought about the option for telehealth services or my chart video visits, for instance, that Baptist offers. And that really has had, I think, both short-term and long-term a profound effect on how future primary care visits will take place, not only how they are now. Right. So in terms of the question, how are they reaching out or when are they reaching out, both early if they're concerned about they have symptoms sure. or later when they're feeling ill and they're calling us they're sending us my chart messages uh, or they're being referred to us from urgent cares or even ERs. So 
that's that. In terms of my general experience, <laughs> well, we've well, let me see. Beyond my experience, I have to say our practice experience. So my practice, I'm, I'm at the East Point Primary Care Practice through Baptist at Baptist East Point, and we're on the fifth floor. And I have the absolute privilege of working with the best providers I think I've ever worked with in my entire career. So we've got a great mix of physicians and nurse practitioner providers. And so early in, in the course of this pandemic, you know, it was all very scary for all of us. Not only the public, of course, but the doctors too, because, you know, this is a new thing for us. How are we going to deal with it? And our practice gelled quickly into a mindset of almost like a combat mindset in that, you know, this is a problem that is on the horizon. It's going to hit us soon and we're going to be ready for it. And we were. We immediately started having meetings at first in person. And then soon we realized we had to do it over maybe FaceTime meetings or, or Zoom meetings. And we came up with strategies on how to deal with the influx of potential patients. Those are conversations that continue to this point. But what was great about it, in a, you know, there's that saying that's attributed to, I think, FDR or somebody else, and that is don't let a good crisis go to waste, you know. Uh, sure. And so, <laughs> and like so for us, it was a matter of uh, gelling around this strategy of, you know, we're going to be ready for this. Yeah. You know? So my perspective, it's really my perspective and my and the providers I work with perspectives. You know, one thing, you know, we're going to, we're talking about, of course, patient care today. But right. I think we also have to keep in mind that in the patient provider relationship, there's also the physician, there's also the provider and how, you know, we have dealt with this in a lot of ways because we have to take care of ourselves first before we can help patients. And I remember early on, you know, discussing with a friend of mine I trained with, Dr. Mark Cardinal. He works in a small town in Wyoming. And, you know, it was it was tough talking to him because, you know, he here's a doctor with the same qualifications as me and the same experience with me. And he's got five people on a mechanical ventilator with COVID, <sighs> including a 28-year-old, wow. you know. Unreal. And so many of us start felt like, you know, who are just, you know, working outpatient, not working in the hospital, we almost felt like we had a form of survivor's guilt, you know, mm. because we should be on those front lines. We should be right there. Oh, that's but, interesting. And I guess there's heroes big and small. So, okay. So, you know, that's the, the provider perspective yeah. with regards to our patients, you know, symptoms are varied. Many people with COVID-19 are having minimal symptoms, you know, and good for them, but other folks get sick and they can get sick really fast. You know, interestingly on, and everybody knows this now, I think, but this thing with the lack of sense of taste or smell, right? that's a pretty common symptom, and you don't see that in other viruses. So that was, that was a unique thing for us. In terms of, you know, dealing with patients and their concerns, both physically and emotionally, uh, that's also been paramount for us. Now, luckily, early on in the pandemic, you know, we were able to quickly mobilize to telehealth services, to MyChart video visits, and Medicare was even allowing, and they still are allowing, telephone visits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we ta- I talked about Heroes Great and Small a few seconds ago. You know, I think that's something that's overlooked within the Baptist system are, is the heroic effort that our IT people, our, our computer people did early in the pandemic right. no to, doubt. you know, put us online. Because we went from, you know, seeing patients in the office to two weeks later all being home. And that's a significant disruption. And I think in a matter of like five days, 
the IT team, you know, did like about five months of work. You know, it was like a very long weekend. You could feel the sweat oozing through the commuter monitors, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> no kidding. I mean, these people, I, I remember I, I actually sent an email to one of the tech people and, you know, they said they almost started crying when I thanked them because, oh. you know, you know, it's just there was so much on their shoulders. Yeah. And really, if you think about it, once again, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, you know, there were profound changes in terms of way that at least part of our practice and how we deliver. And that is via telehealth services. Sure. And they did it overnight. And so, you know, shout out to them. My goodness. You yeah. know, let me ask you a personal question, because as you've described your role, you know, clinician to clinician and also um, physician to patient, but stepping out from a personal side with your relationship with your family, how did you cope with the stress seeing potential patients who were infected to deal with not only the stress of, like you mentioned, the, the guilt talking to other providers, but then just being exposed to the potential virus and bringing it home. Has that been very difficult? Yeah, it, it, early on, especially because, you know, look, we all remember when this first hit. I mean, what, the toilet paper flew off the yeah. shelves, you know? Yeah. I mean, right? I mean, right. you know, and not only the, the public, but once again, the physicians also, because, you know, we had double double concerns. Number one would be, you know, how we're going to be able to help our patients. And you're absolutely correct. Will we get sick? Mm-hmm. Will we bring this home to our family? Yeah. You know, and I think I remember, you know, Twitter just blowing up, the social media just blowing up early in the pandemic and stories of, you know, ER doctors in, um, like an ER doctor in, in Louisiana, in New Orleans, where he had a like a, a two a two week old baby at home, oh. and he was just like sleeping in a different part of the house. He was yeah. like disinfecting his phone. You know, I know a, I have Scary. a, a I know a, a cardiologist at Baptist, uh, super well respected, and and she ended up, you know, she had been exposed pretty early on, and luckily did not get sick. But she was so concerned that she moved into her camper for a month. Oh, no know? kidding. And I'm and we're physicians, you know, and we're right. concerned, you know. Yeah. So and we have the knowledge at least to understand where things are at. I remember early on, you know, seeing some photographs. As you remember, it, you know, it started in China and it quickly spread and it hit in Italy got hit very hard. Yeah. And I remember looking at those ICU pictures with just this, this knot in my gut, yes. like, Oh my gosh, you know, Baptist did this great thing. They, they were very forward thinking. I remember um, they sent out a list for volunteers for physicians who would be willing to work in the urgent cares mm work in the emergency rooms. Yeah, just mobilizing our people. And these are yeah. people like myself. I haven't worked in a hospital in 15 years. And, you know, but they were forward thinking. They're thinking, you know, we don't know what's going to happen yeah. when this hits. And so there are many doctors that came forward and said, yeah, we'll definitely work. I had, rec- I had said, I'll work in the ER. I'll work in the urgent cares. I'd worked yeah. urgent care before. And luckily we haven't gone to that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was available. So we keep hearing about those of us that are at high risk for COVID-19, especially now as we're entering the phased approach to vaccination and vaccinating those that might be at a higher risk for poor outcome or a complication. What are some of the comorbidities associated with COVID-19? In other words, what are some of the underlying health issues that would make someone considered to be high risk for complications? Yeah, it's a really good question. Thank you. I think it's apparent, you know, as we look at who in of the citizenship of the citizens are of the patients, if you will, of our clients, you know, who's concerned the most. And that is, you know, absolutely the elderly because, you know, 80 or 90% of the deaths 
related to COVID-19 are, are hitting the elderly the hardest. And so age, I think the, the greatest risk, risk factor is age, certainly. And then if you add in, so, and then there's like a, a very long list of other medical problems that could put someone at increased risk for complications of COVID-19. And they're almost what you would guess, like any type of chronic illness where somebody, you know, is either having, suffering from, you know, suffers from diabetes or suffers from, you know, has had, uh, you know, God forbid, cancer. Sure. Even like Down syndrome is a higher risk for complications. So there's not, I guess it's two camps, if you will. Number one would be older adults, mm-hmm. greater than age 60, 65, 70, that they're much higher risk. And then those folks suffering from a laundry list of things, but, but primarily uh, complicated diabetes, complicated lung problems, mm-hmm. asthmas, complicated asthma, complicated COPD. And, and the, it, we could talk for a while about that. Yeah. Autoimmune disease too, I believe, right? Autoimmune, yeah, to a degree. Yes, absolutely. And I don't, I'm not an infectious disease doctor and I'm not a rheumatologist. But we can go into the weeds on that, I suppose. But the good news is, is that I love to say just anecdotally is that my, I've had some patients with autoimmune problems and other chronic problems and they were admitted to the hospital. And I thought, my gosh, you know, praying for a good outcome. And surprisingly, some of them came home real fast. So, you know, this disease, unfortunately, doesn't, it's, you know, it's, it doesn't discriminate. You know, I'll have folks that I thought will never make it out of the hospital and they bounce back real fast. And then I've had younger people become extremely ill. I have a patient who is, who is, you know, in the ICU for a week. He's in his twenties. I have a a patient who this person uh, had a moderate case of COVID, Uh but this person works in, in finance and is having trouble doing better now, but for like a month had trouble with just basic arithmetic, you know? Wow. Like a cognitive impairment as a result. Because it can, you know, it affects the COVID, you know, bothers more than just the lungs. It it can hit multiple different systems, including the nervous system. So in terms of comorbidities, yeah, definitely age and then other medical problems, more serious problems. One of the biggest issues that we've seen throughout this pandemic is rapidly spreading misinformation. With some of the falsities that are continuing to hear with the patients circulating, that you would advise or warn against? What can what advice can you give if you heard that zinc can cure COVID or perhaps, I know it was circulating early on about ibuprofen, that it doesn't affect the young? What are some of the falsities that you would like to warn against? Right. We could talk a lot about this. My advice would be, if you're looking at, you know, trying to do something for prevent COVID, I think it's important just to take a step back uh-huh. and look at the experts, you know, go to the CDC website. They've got great information of what you can do to help yourself from getting sick, you know? Yeah. So, and there's other things we could talk about in terms of you know, the ibuprofen, by the way, you could take ibuprofen while you have COVID in terms of it doesn't affect young people. Oh yes, it does. Certainly. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, not as often, but you know, it's an indiscriminate, um, affliction. That's for sure. That contributes to the fear, you know, is, is you don't know what, what hand you're going to get dealt per se with this virus. It's not something that you can easily predict. Mm -hmm. And so I think that adds to the heightened sense of, you know, making sure that I'm looking out for me and that I'm going to be okay and that my loved ones are going to be okay. And just all kind of the the heightened emotion, I think, around that has really played a role in the spreading of the misinformation. Yeah, and understandably. Right. I think 
anybody who's been afraid of this of this pandemic, you know, anybody who who in retrospect think they ask, acted irrational, you know, it's a very human thing to be pretty anxious and scared about something that's killing people. You know, absolutely. So I absolutely embrace anybody who is looking for ways to help themselves with this with this disease or prevent this disease. Yeah, and to that point, you the human element is what makes you a top doc. The fact that you do bring yourself to the patient's perspective and understand the legitimate concerns and level instead of, you're right, like you said, you, you're busy, you see a lot of patients, you're one of our favorite, well-regarded, respected primary care physicians, you could have very easily written back with a one-word answer of no, but you know you do take the time and it's, it is um, telling and a testament to your care and your philosophy of care. Well, thank you. That's really kind to say, but I work with a top team in our practice. We have a top team and, and you know, that's all I can say. So, <laughs> Well, that's a, a good transition, I think, to our next point that we want to cover. And uh, this year has really taken a toll on our collective mental health. We know that primary care physicians are often the first point of of contact for someone seeking treatment for things like anxiety or depression. Have you seen an elevation in these types of visits? And why do you think that is? And what's your advice to someone who feels like maybe they need a little bit of help managing these emotions right now? Sure. My gosh. You know, I could tell many, many stories. I think it goes back to what I said before. You know, it's a very human thing to be scared. Okay. And that's a survival adaptation. Our ancestors, you know, religion and philosophy aside, our, our ancestors who sat around the fire, campfire and sang Kumbaya and weren't afraid of anything, they, they never they never made it, you know, okay? So so to be scared is, is a human thing, especially in light of a scary pandemic, not only in terms of fear for health, but fear for livelihood, in terms of, you know, being laid off, in terms of, you know, if, if you're a service industry worker, I mean, people are suffering both, you know, physically, mentally, and economically during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a primary care provider, you know, we are well, well versed and well experienced in dealing with, you know, behavioral issues Mm -hmm. or mental health issues, if you will. And so I think the first thing to understand is that, you know, if someone is feeling anxious, about anything, you know, let alone the pandemic, and feel as if their life is suffering from it. Mm-hmm. This, this anxiety, this depression, whatever it is, is getting in the way of day-to-day activities. There is no shame in seeking help. Yeah. There is no shame in seeking help. And, you know, your provider is there for you. So in terms of general advice, you know, I, I think we certainly did see an uptick, and we have seen an uptick in people with concerns of anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And I, in terms of general advice, and this is for anybody, you know, there's there's four things that I always recommend for my patients. First and foremost is exercise. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, quite frankly, the pandemic really hit them hard with regards to their exercise because they're used to going to the CrossFit. Yeah. They're used to going to the, to the Pilates and all that shut down. So, it, you know, for many people, it's, you know, a walk is free. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go outside and walk. It doesn't cost anything, you know. Uh, YouTube. You know, there are fantastic exercise programs on YouTube. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've, I've had patients utilize that from home. So there's exercise and then there's talk therapy, mm-hmm. whether it's with a Baptist provider or anybody else that they can find through their, maybe through their employee assistance program. So talk therapy, talk therapy, namely uh, counseling, uh, seeing a psychologist or a social worker or otherwise a licensed therapist. 
There's medication that I'm really not prepared to talk about this today because it's not the right format, but certainly there's medication available for people who, who are who, where it's indicated. And then also I'm always a big proponent of mindfulness meditation practices, mm-hmm. which we could talk about for an hour. But essentially, <laughs> you know, awareness of present experience with acceptance, understanding that this too shall pass. These strong emotions come through like a thunderstorm. And if we breathe through them, if we are aware of them and understand them, they will wash over us and then we will be left standing, you know. And there's a lot of good, in terms of mindfulness meditation, these maybe 10 minutes a day, five days a week, breathing practices, breath awareness practices. There's a lot of good stuff on the internet. There's a, a couple really good apps. The biggest one is uh, is Calm, the Calm app, yeah. Yeah. which I will say, I will go on the record saying my doctor, Dr. Kim, who's a Baptist, uh, he had recommended the Calm app for me a few years ago because, you know, well, doctors don't get stressed, right? Right. So. <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> well, thank you for your time today, Dr. Bird. This has been really helpful and I think encouraging to folks to understand better about the pandemic and what's to come. So thank you. We appreciate your time. Well, you're welcome. Look, it's my real pleasure. And these podcasts are wonderful. It's such a great form of learning new information. Good. And I'm, I'm so glad to hear that, that Baptist has come up with this format and has had this format and continues yeah. to do it. And thank you so much for reaching out to me. Of course. Anything that I can do that our team at East Point could do to improve patient care is something that we embrace. So, Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Health Talks Now with Dr. Russell Bird as we explored some of the ongoing misinformation, facts, and questions surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic and the vaccination. If you enjoyed this episode, Share it with a friend. Make sure you're subscribed too so that you don't miss our next episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's where we share most of our current and really trending information. So you want to be sure that you're following us on there so that you can stay up to date, know when new episodes are coming, and catch the latest updates. We'll see you next time on Health Talks Now. Thanks for tuning in to Health Talks Now. Staying healthy is a lifelong commitment and Baptist Health can provide the support you need to lower your risks, improve your quality of life, and protect your long-term health. Visit baptisthealth.com to hear our other podcasts, learn about our services, and find more tips to help you stay a step ahead of your health. Baptist Health, be a healthier you. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as medical advice. The content in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast is not designed to replace a physician's medical assessment and medical judgment. Always seek the advice of your physician with any questions or concerns you may have related to your personal health or regarding specific medical conditions. To find a Baptist Health provider, please visit baptisthealth.com. <laughs>